I have, especially of late, I, I have spoken at different times about, uh, about my, my introduction into church life as a teenager. And I think one of the things that, has, uh, that, that attracted me to congregation or church life were the people. And outside of just people watching, it was just the people. And I had never experienced, until I was a teenager, community that seemed to truly care about me. That was curious about how things were going here or there at school with this. That people that, that invited me into their homes to be a part of, of life in the church. I can't imagine, and this is low-hanging fruit, but I can't imagine going through a pandemic without church, without community, right? That, that I can't imagine not having you through the time that we experience through quarantine, through the time of, 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 of having to separate and not be together, but also seeking ways to be together because there was a desire within church, within this community, to, to be together. I can't imagine... Living life when your wife has a pretty major surgery, not having you, church, to be around, to support. And in many ways that this church got the Aikens family through those really rough six weeks of Laura's surgery and post-surgery because this church was a part of our lives. I can't imagine going through sudden changes in life, whether that is health changes or job changes or, or even just, just relationship changes within the own, your own family. I can't imagine going through those kinds of seasons and those moments of life without the church a part of who we are or who I am as a person. I'm, uh, I, I'm bringing us into a message series over the next three weeks called Circles. Here, I want us to explore what it means and what it looks like to be a congregation, to be a church, to be the community God is calling us to be that lives in circles. Because if you're going to assign a shape to the church, the shape that you would assign to the church is a circle. Now, that's a really odd statement, or at least it could be a really odd statement because, well, you're sitting in rows. And if there was anything that I could change, this is just me talking personally. This is not like a change that's coming, so don't hear that. This is me personally speaking. If there was anything that I could change about how we gather on a weekly basis, it would be the pews. It would be the rows. I wish we could be in more circles together. I wish more importantly that we could sit literally at a table like Jesus' disciples at communion and commune together, seeing each other face to face. Now, there are a lot of reasons, good reasons, why we sit in rows and, and things like this, and we're going to explore some of this, but, but the idea of church isn't solely going to be based in how many rows we have. It's going to be how many circles we establish as church. So, Acts chapter 2 gives us a really good foundation of what I mean by this and what this looks like. Because in Acts chapter 2, many of you know, the church has been established. Pentecost has occurred. Peter has preached the sermon. The people have come 
And they have been baptized into new people, to followers of Jesus Christ. And what we find out is the first church had a different way of living out community. Verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves, that's the church, they, the plural of all of them, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, the question always that, that, that very quickly comes to the surface when I read Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, is how in the world does that happen, right? How does a church come together in such a way that they are pulling all of their possessions, their worldly possessions together to help those who do not have that, that come together every single day? Notice that. In Acts chapter 2, the first church got together every day. They gathered in rows, but they also gathered in circles, and they ate together, and they worshiped together every day. And my question always comes quickly to the service, how'd that happen? How does this happen? And how can the church today most effectively model itself after the first church that we see in Acts chapter 2? Well, I think it happens in circles. It happens with circles. Jesus has been modeling circles and circle life through his entire life and ministry. We're going to spend a whole lot more time on this, not today, but we will soon. But Jesus began his ministry by establishing circle. He brought 12 people together that were going to be his primary relational circle that he was going to minister with, not only teach them as rabbi, but he was going to walk with and live with. He established a circle. And we can look at very quickly and say, well, Jesus doesn't necessarily need a circle. Jesus himself, which is another point uh, that we could discuss, in of himself is a circle with his Father and with the Spirit of God himself. But Jesus chose to be in circle life. He chose to establish a circle where people could love and understand talk and figure out who they are and who one another are by pouring relationship into one another. Did the first church have to be together every single day, selling their possessions, giving to the needy, praising God through the temple every day? No, but they chose to. Why? Because they were established circle. They could see one another in a circle they were able to understand one another in life in a circle. And one of the great things about circle is the simplicity of the shape itself. There are no turns. There are no corners. It is simple in nature. And a circle brings everyone face to face. Whether you stand next to them or across from them, there is nowhere to hide and nowhere else to be except with others in circle. 
And Acts chapter 2 gives us this example of what church looks like when it establishes and lives out in circles because these people that were selling their possessions and meeting daily and breaking bread and in worship were living some kind of circle life where they wanted to see one another and understand who they were worshiping and who they were living with. Who Jesus called brother or sister right along with themselves. So much of life wants to pull us out of circles. Low-hanging fruit once again. The pandemic and quarantine was such a challenge because life was dictating that we couldn't live in circles. And so community was disrupted. The community is not lived on screens and it's not lived in rows. It's lived in circles because a church that comes together and wants to see one another, look each other in the eyes and live life as equals, to live life together in the name of Jesus Christ, is a church that lives out circles. Because together we are equal. Together we see one another. Together we move forward. And once we start to establish and live out circles more and more, I think Acts chapter 2 becomes more and more of a reality. I've used this stat. In fact, I was talking about four years ago um, during the welcome this morning. And in fact, I, I, talked, I talked about this four years ago. And so some of, the, some of you may remember this. But just a few years ago, there was a professor out of the University of Kansas who began to quantify, scientifically quantify, what it took to become friends and build relationships with other people. And Jeffrey Hall, a professor of communication studies at the University of Kansas, began to put together what it looks like and what it takes to build relationships. In fact, Jeffrey Hall says this, Dr. Hall says, study after study has pointed out that having friends and people you can rely on is, is, is an important for social support, health, longevity, well-being, and all the things we want to get out of life. And he began to see this in his scientific studies and being able to quantify because the more time people spend together, the more they get to know one another. That's not, that's not groundbreaking. But it happens where? In circles. It happens when we are willing and wanting and wishing and striving to be together. Community happens in circles. So Jeffrey Hall, the professor at the University of Kansas, began to quantify what it takes. And so, if you want a casual friendship, as he categorized it, casual friendship, it'll take anywhere from 40 to 60 hours with that one person to develop a casual friendship. If you want a true friend, someone who knows you, someone you can rely on, someone you can go to, someone who calls you in need, those kind, that kind of level of friendship, Jeffrey Hall was able to quantify that it takes 80 to 100 hours of togetherness with that person to develop a friendship. And if you want that best friend, you're looking at 200 plus hours, the person that knows you in and out, the one that you can't but help talk to all the time. This is how long it takes to get to know people. And what we find out is to have any level of meaningful relationship, which Jeffrey Hall would categorize as a casual friendship, 
we need minimum 40 hours together for us to be able to know something about one another. And what Jeffrey Hall does is he's able to help us understand that we don't get to know each other by simply showing up for an hour or two on a Sunday morning and sitting in a row and then getting out. That church life and relationships are built over time. And they happen in circles. So let's think about this. Let me play this out for just a moment. Okay, let's just say in our current context that at best you're here for two hours. Makes the math a little easier for me too. But realistically, your two hours here every week's not going to happen. You're sick sometimes. You're traveling other times. And really, when you're here, say, for those two hours, you really shouldn't be, nor are we encouraging you to be with one person for that two hours, right? But let's go ahead and say two hours, one person, but there's weeks in and out there. So what we're going to do is, is we're going to give for our little our little brain experiment here is I'm going to give you a half hour each Sunday with one person. That's pretty generous, but again, it helps my math go a lot easier. A half hour every Sunday. Generous time allotment to build a relationship with one person. So, a half hour each week, Sunday morning only, is the only time for our experiment here to become a casual friend to hit that casual 40 to 60 hour mark that the University of Kansas has established, it'll take you one and a half years to get to that level. Just on a Sunday, just for a half hour, one person. You want to become friends with anyone? Just on a Sunday morning, sitting in a row, having a generous allotment of uh, 30 minutes, it'll take you three years and seven months. You want a best friend out of this place? Sunday mornings, half hour, seven years, six months. What we're, what I'm hoping that I'm, uh, the picture I'm painting here is that church life is way more than Sunday morning. In fact, the heart of congregation isn't established nor simply lived out of a worship that takes place on Sunday morning. It is people coming together in the name of Jesus every single day of the week. We see that in Acts chapter 2. It may look different for us, but the desire to not only be together, but to worship and break bread and serve and take care of people is not just a Sunday event. It is a community event. It is a community desire. It is a community wishing to be in circles so that it's not just me, it's not just you, it's all of us working together out of relationships to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Church is not done in the rows on Sunday morning. And if you're looking for, as we've come into a new school year, if you're looking for a a so-called, quote-unquote, New Year's resolution, if you're looking for a school year resolution, then do something more than Sunday morning. Be a part of the community life that is working and moving and being established through circles at your church. Because heritage is not built in the rows, these rows are actually torn down every single week, so that's a good news. Heritage is built out 
of relationships that take place in circles. All this to say, we can't do church. Church isn't something to be accomplished or checked off every Sunday or an hour or two a week. It's not a punch card and it's not simply giving of your money or an hour or two of your time. Church isn't about the programs. It's not the projects we seek to establish. It is the people that we live with in the circles. It is one another and a thriving church. I, I challenge you. If you think the church is thriving, whatever you think you know about the church or that church or that community or whatever it is, if you believe they're thriving, I'm putting a guarantee that they are thriving because they live community in circles. They are together outside of the rows. They are together on Wednesday nights. They are together at coffee shops. They are together early mornings and late nights. They are together in all kinds of circles because a thriving church is the church that seeks to take care of one another so that the church can live out its mission to the community it's established in together and in circles. A thriving church lives in circles. Let's, now let's turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. To help establish this idea a little bit more. Paul writes his, uh, his second letter, which is most likely his third letter, 2 Corinthians, don't get confused. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 and 6 through 16. Paul writes to the church in Corinth. As, he, as he's writing this, he's got this particular passage I want us to pay attention to. And I've paid attention to it before from this pulpit. But he writes to the church, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Bilal? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, and God has said from Leviticus and Deuteronomy, I will live with them. I will walk among them. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. Now Paul goes on with further Old Testament quotes, but what Paul is doing is he's establishing, if we can use the language of this series in particular, he's, he's using circle language to say circles are an integral part of being the church, not simply doing church. Circles are an integral part of being the church, not simply doing church. He uses this language of not being yoked together with the unbeliever. Because what Paul sees here is for a church not to be so close to the ways of the world, to the outside world. right? Paul doesn't want the true friendship of, of God's people to be with the unbeliever. So he uses this image, this imagery of a yoke. Uh, the image of a yoke looks like this, right? You two oxen, they're yoked together. They have to work together. They're step, uh, they work step in step, right? And so Paul says, do not be yoked with an unbeliever. 
Now notice, Paul doesn't say you should not have friendships or relationships with the unbeliever. He says, don't be yoked with the unbelievers. What do we have in common with those who don't believe in Jesus Christ, who do not confess the risen Savior before us? What do we have in common? What harmony is there for God's people to be yoked, to live step in step, to have the priorities of wealth and prestige and power and loud voices? What is the, what is the point of God's people having being in step with that kind of priority when we are the people of Jesus Christ who are called to serve and be humble to be a part of the community that seeks to take care of those on the fringes and the outcasts. Says, what harmony, what, what point is there? Paul is, Paul is wanting the church to understand that this doesn't take away from our outreach. It establishes who we are because we together find something quite uh, far more important in common. And that is Jesus Christ. We're not yoked to those who do not believe in what we believe. We find ourselves in friendship and in relationship with those who have the same belief. We find ourselves in community where we're willing in this place to yoke ourselves to one another. Because at the very end of the day, it's Jesus. And everything we do, it's Jesus. Building at 4900 North Broadway... It's not for us, it's for Jesus. Who we are is for Jesus. And we yoke ourselves in that belief and in that place. I think Paul has a fear that God's people, as he's seeing in the church in Corinth, are growing closer and closer, more intertwined with those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. We are not of this world. We have a different position, a different perspective. We have a different view of life now and later. And it's all because of Jesus. The resurrection of our Lord and Savior reorients us to a different way of life. To life in circles. Now those circles, don't take me too literally on this. Those circles are when God's people... Are coming together. I love this picture because I think it represents the heritage circle in so many different ways. God's people who break the rows to be together in prayer and blessing. It is an important aspect of who we are as a church that we are willing to break the rows. Because what is integral to this community is being together in circles. We pray over one another. We live life with one another. When any one of us experience heartache, we experience it together because we seek to establish circles. How about this next slide? Because those circles are represented in so many different ways. Circles are formed at camp. Circles are formed over coffee. Circles are formed in backyards. They're formed in service projects. Circles allow us to see one another, to help one another, serve one another. They help us to care for each other. Circles are where we rejoice, where we cry where we study, it's where we hug, it's where we praise. 
It's where we support. Circles are where we have hard conversations, joyous conversations. Circles are where we are all equals because together each and every one of us have been, have been given new life through Jesus Christ. We share in that baptism. We share in that spirit because together in circles, we are together in this place for the, for the glory of Christ himself. And we have thrived for four years. Even as a church that started with 60 people to what has to be one of our bigger Sundays. We are a church that has thrived for four years because I believe we are a church that has has striven to be in circles. And the future of this congregation is not going to be established and making sure we have really nice, neat rows is going to be the future of the circles we strive to establish. We'll thrive in our next chapter as a church when we are striving to establish as many circles as we can. And one of those, as I mentioned this morning, one of the ways that we seek to do that in an intentional way, and I am, I am, I said this, I've said this already, at least in, in some form or fashion, I, mean, I am so excited for the next chapter of getting into our first church home because I think the ministry possibilities and the opportunities to serve and to minister and share Jesus Christ are going to be countless. We have such high potential when we put ourselves in circles to be a ministering, serving church. And we're going to have so many opportunities to establish circles that are service-oriented and caring-oriented and, and all these different things because a thriving church is a church that lives in circles. And one of the intentional things that we have done from the very beginning as a church and we have gone through uh, in our first four years and will continue into the future is we'll be a church that intentionally puts each other into circles. And we do that primarily through our connection group ministry. Connection groups bring people into circles. Connection groups are our small group ministry. We have established six groups since we've established six elders at the end of last year. Six groups that quite honestly are way too big and need to be, we need more. But we have groups where we intentionally invite every single one of us at Heritage to be a part of a circle. It's an opportunity every Sunday night to be together Someone's home, at the same table, at a park, whatever it is. But it's an intentional effort to establish and be in circles. Because connection groups, the very heart of all things, are seeking to connect us through time, through fellowship, through prayer, and through Bible study. Where we want all six of our groups every week to be together, pray together, and study the Bible together. Because we believe that establishing those kinds of important Jesus-centered circles create a thriving church that will seek opportunity to serve and to grow together. And so our connection groups begin. Every member at Heritage is in a connection group. And if you're looking for a way to, to find into a circle, to establish life in this church in a circle... Connection groups is a fantastic first step 
into establishing and being a part of the community here at Heritage. If you're not in one, would like to be one, if you're a guest who's interested in one, see me. Because I want you in a group. I want you going to your group. I want you to seek out those circles, and I'm challenging us to be a church that is more like Acts 2, but for us to even think about everyday togetherness, we first got to think about what it looks like to establish circles. Connection groups bring people together in circles, but they happen organically, and they happen all, through all different times, women's ministry, men's ministry. They happen at different points. When we are seeking to be together, we are seeking to encourage one another to yoke ourselves together in the name of Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to do. I want to end this way. And, and I know I'm about to raise the level of anxiety for some of you in this place this morning. But there's no better way for us to end a message like this than for us to be in a circle. So the invitation this morning is a circle invitation. And what we're going to do is, Brandon's got one more song for us, A Common Love, we will sing together, but we are going to make a circle right here in the cafeteria. Now, I think this is a great way, but it's also going to be challenging. Don't overthink it, okay? Just in a moment, let's get up, and we'll just make one big circle, and we're going to sing a song together. And if there's anything I can do for you, I will make myself available as a part of this circle, but I will be around this morning as well. Because here at Heritage, we're a circle. Together, we live life. Together, we move forward. Together in circles, we will praise the name of Jesus. Together in circles, we will serve him and him alone. All right, let's stand together. Let's make a big circle in this cafeteria this morning. Thank you.